For the past hundred years, the Catholic Church has vigorously rejected and critiqued both communism and socialism. But what does the Catholic Church have to say about capitalism? Currently in our culture in the West, capitalism is under significant critique in ways that we haven't seen in American culture, for example, here in the United States. So what does the Catholic Church have to teach about capitalism? Is there any critiques, any warnings? Is there a rejection or just a simple acceptance? That's what we're gonna talk about in tonight's show. I'm very excited to be joined tonight by a good friend, Dr. Andrew Abella, who is the founding dean of the Bush School of Business at the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C. Dr. Abella has made a lot of his research in his professional career focused on marketing and business ethics. He has won uh, several awards for his work on this, especially one from the Acton Institute uh, that's really significant for the, the place of uh, economics and uh, economic liberty and religion. And I'm very excited to have Dr. Andrew Abella join us tonight to talk about Catholicism and capitalism. So Andrew, it's a great joy to have you on the show tonight. Delighted to be here, Tim. Well, you know, Andrew, there's a lot of talk that's been rising in the American public over the last few years about socialism, uh, whether it's socialistic practices or whether it's simply critiques that capitalism is bad and just evil. And you know, the Catholic Church has been strong in her critiques in the past, all the way back to Pope Leo XIII, about communism and the problems with socialism and communism. But what does the Catholic Church have to say about capitalism? That's something I think that a lot of Catholics are curious about today. So I think that the church has a really clear understanding of, of what is good about capitalism and what the excesses might be. And there's a beautiful line in, in Centesimus Annus, St. John Paul II, where he's answering the question directly. He says, okay, so we recognize we, we reject socialism. There's, there's no question about that. That is, that is ultimately an atheistic doctrine, so it is incompatible with, with our Catholic faith, with the Christian faith. Uh, that, so then he says, so what, what, about, what about capitalism? And he says, well, it depends what you mean by capitalism. Mm. And I think that's just a really important point. Ask five different people what they think capitalism is, and you'll get five different answers. You know, and, that's, and that's the problem. There's, there's two groups of answers, if you will. And one of them is entirely acceptable as a Catholic, and the other one is not acceptable at all. Um, and so, so what John Paul II says, well, if by capitalism you mean free enterprise, market serving human needs, and so on, uh, the, the, free, the free use of private property, et cetera, he says, then absolutely, yes, that is entirely compatible with our Catholic faith. But he says, if by capitalism you mean uh, a market environment which isn't limited in any way by regulation, where it's sort of a pure libertarian, everything for sale, all that matters is the price of things, you know, uh, then he says, no, that's not consistent with, with our yeah. Catholic faith. Um, Tim, you might have uh, heard me before. I, I like to talk about two capitalisms, what I call entrepreneurial capitalism, which is the good kind, which is capitalism serving people. And then the other is what I call imperialistic capitalism, which is capitalism that just seeks to enrich 
the, the, the capitalist, regardless of expense. We, we're not out to serve customers. We're not out to serve employees. We're just out to make as much money as we can, and we don't care who gets hurt or what gets damaged along the way. You can see how that clearly doesn't fit with the Catholic faith. They really are two different kinds of capitalism, though. And don't you think that uh, a lot of people, and just popular opinion, whether globally or even in the United States today, a lot of people conflate those two. If you could see a kind of crony capitalism or that what you call the kind of imperialistic capitalism that puts the market above as, as supreme. And, uh, and, and so the government can't touch anything, can't say anything, can't regulate anything. The, the market is absolute. And uh, versus the capitalism you talked about that would be the entrepreneurial capitalism, this healthy kind of capitalism. But do you think most people make that distinction today? They don't. And I mean, you, you can't really blame them because we're using mm -hmm. the same word. You know, so mm -hmm. that's sort of our mistake. Why do we call everything capitalism when there's very different things, particularly since it's worth reminding people who invented the word capitalism, right? Karl Marx, the enemy of, of all kinds of capitalism. <laughs> that's right. Why are we using the enemy's language? I much prefer to use the phrase market economy or, or free market, you know, or enterprise economy, business economy. Mm -hmm. uh, St. John Paul II says the same thing. He says these are better words. Um, Pope Benedict in his encyclicals never once uses the word capitalism, also talks about market economy. I think that's a, a, it, helps, it helps clarify. But you're right, in most people, the, the good and the bad are conflated, and they seem to think of it as the good and the bad of the same system. And they say, well, on the whole, we're better off or we're worse off. It's not really on the whole. It's separate the two things. Do the good thing. Don't do the bad. You know, do, do the good form of capitalism, not, not the bad kind. And, and, and really, the, the primary difference is what's your intention? Are you going in business, into business to serve others? This is kind of the spirit we have at the, at the Bush School. Entrepreneurship as a way of serving others, business as a way of serving others. Obviously, profitably, because if you're not profitable, then you're not a business. You, you're a not-for-profit or you're a government. And somebody has to make the money to fund all those not-for-profits and governments, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, so you have to serve others profitably. Um, but, and if that's your intention, that's, that's the good kind of capitalism. But if your intention is, let me just make as much money as I can, then you can see how that's not going to be consistent with our Catholic faith. Andrew, I know you're, part of your background and your strength is in marketing. And, uh, and, you know, when you think about brand awareness, I know you did a lot of consulting before you went to Catholic U with a lot of corporations, and I know you still do that. You know, when you deal with a brand, and let's just talk about capitalism as a brand, uh, a lot of people, for example, if you open up, I, I think of Coca-Cola when they came out with a new Coke product, and people didn't like it, and uh, it hurt the brand, and then they went back to their old recipe, and some people say they did that to get attention, it was kind of a genius thing. I think they probably stumbled and recovered. Uh, but if you look at capitalism as a brand, and then you look at, you know, in certain you know, countries in Central and South America, you have crony capitalism, which is very different than the capitalism here in the United States. Or you look at abuses of kind of monopolistic practices in the United States that's happening with capitalism that goes unchecked with greed and, you know, other abuses. That seems to be undermining the brand of capitalism. And have you seen in your lifetime the brand of capitalism under more stress and critique than it is today? It, well, I, th I mean, I'm, I'm old enough to have seen sort of fluctuations, but particularly among young people, they've really bought the, the, the bad capitalism vision, you know? 
Um, and part of it, part of the folks to blame are, are Hollywood. Um, the, uh, I, I think it was the Media Research Council did a study a while ago, looked at all of the top movies and found that whenever there was a CEO character, something like 90% of the time, the CEO is a criminal of some sort. You know? <laughs> yep. So that's the, that's the impression we give of, of, of business people, you know, yeah. which is completely contrary to, to, I mean, in real life, you know, a fraction of 1% of CEOs are criminals, you know, 99 mm -hmm. point something are people trying to do a good job, you know? Um, so so, so um, it, it does have a bad rap. The, the, the way to turn it around, I think, is to put the spotlight on the mm. thousands upon thousands of businesses, particularly the local ones, the ones people know, you know, who are just trying to um, kind of make a living by serving others. Um, and that's capitalism at its best, right? If you're not serving people, they're not going to give you money. You know, there was mm -hmm. a there was a funny um, uh, exchange between Charles Koch of Koch Industries, you know, a, a much maligned capitalist, but one of the best around. And I, I mean, best in, in both terms of successful, but also good, you know. Um, uh, he was challenged by an MBA student who said, so, so Charles was talking about going into business to serve others. He's, he's promoted this concept of what he calls good profits. So making money by serving others rather than by monopolies or government connections and so on. And the student says, that sounds kind of naive and unrealistic to me, you know. Mm -hmm. And Coke comes right back and he says, okay, tell me what's more naive. Expecting, to make, expecting people to give you money because you'd rendered them a good service or expecting them to give you money because you didn't, you know, like which is more naive, right? So yeah. I thought it was right on. It, yeah. it, 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 the only way to be a successful business if you're not serving others is to use coercion, to, mm -hmm. to get government help, to force people to give you money, right? Otherwise, you can only succeed by, by making people happy. So what you're saying in that scenario is that um, businesses have to give a value proposition to the customer. In other words, they have, to, they have to create value for the customer, for the customer to want to purchase their product. So to give an example, you know, Steve Jobs, you know, tried to create a computer that would serve the individual and, you know, and empower them with both beauty and elegance and yet ease of use. And so customers flocked to, you know, Apple and then eventually to the iPhone because it was so intuitive. And so he created a value that people wanted and then they purchased it. And so the idea then that you're talking about in that version of capitalism is that businesses have to provide a value and by providing a value for which people will pay money, they're giving a service or a product that somebody wants and that's creating good, right? That's creating a value because I think there's this general simplistic sense, and you mentioned Hollywood's painting this picture, and so is a lot of American politicians, I think, that business is for profit, and profit and business is bad. And, and it misses how the market works in terms of how businesses should work, right? By creating value and services to people. Yep, exactly, exactly. You know, it, so for example, drug companies are you know, incentivized to help people who are sick, and, uh, and so, for example, we just had COVID. So a lot of big drug companies were incentivized to provide uh, a vaccine to help people. They're also going to make money, but then that money goes into research and development that then creates other services and other products. And so I want to talk a little bit more about how the dignity of the human person 
relates to an authentic vision of capitalism versus why we think in Catholic teaching socialism and communism doesn't respect the dignity of the human person. But first I want to give everybody our text line. We want to let the audience to participate in this conversation, ask questions for Dr. Abella on Catholicism and capitalism, and you can text your questions to our text line, which is 720-650-0100. And just give us your name and give us the question, and we want you to join the conversation, so please text those questions. You can also leave comments on the comment section on the forum platform, and then we'll take your questions there as well. So, uh, Andrew, let's, let's, we've, we've mentioned that the church condemns socialism, but for a lot of people today, and you mentioned a lot of young people, it seems that, wait, we could just alleviate poverty if we just redistribute all the wealth that's in our country, take it from you know, wealthy people and from businesses, redistribute it. That's caring for people, and capitalism is just caring for profit. How do we, how do we defend the idea of an authentic capitalism with that kind of mentality? I think it... it it has to be grounded in a proper understanding of, of property, of private property mm. right, and, and ownership. And, and the church is teaching about that. The church has taught, at least as far back as St. Thomas Aquinas, you know, that, that we have a right to private property. And that right is grounded not just in pragmatics, that the world runs better when we know who owns what, you know. Every, every experiment in history, every single one without question, wherever you didn't have ownership, collapses in chaos. Maybe not immediately, but, but soon enough. Um, the the the, um, the but the the, the the importance of private property is as we are, God created us as physical human beings. As physical human beings, we need to eat, we need to live in homes, we need to wear clothes. So we need property. Um, and if we don't own our own property, then we are always dependent on the person who's going to pay our salary. For example, if if I don't own any property whatsoever, I'm in a bad situation at at work with an abusive boss, for example. If I have no savings, I, I'm, I'm not free to just walk away from that job and say, that's it, I'm out of here, I'm, I'm going to go look for something else because I have enough saved up that I can live for a few weeks while I look. You know, um, Even better, if I have enough that I can live off my income so I'm not dependent on, on, on the job for my, for my living. So private property is very important. Um, I think it too has a bad name because when we think of private property nowadays, we think about luxuries luxury cars, extra homes, luxury yachts. You and I both like boats, you know, the, mm -hmm. a boat is a good thing um, in the service of a family, say, right? Um, but when, we, when church is talking about private property, it's talking about productive property, property that you can use to invest and, and, and kind of put your effort into a reap a return from. The church also teaches what's called the universal destination of goods, right? Which is the idea that God created the world for the good of everybody, not just for a few people, 1% or 5% or whatever. And so people say, well, how can you square those two? How can you have private property and the universal destination of goods? Don't they contradict each other? No, they don't. The answer is private property is the way in which we realize the universal destination of goods when we recognize that the reason I have private property is to serve others, to serve my family in the first place, friends and neighbors, um, how do you, when you have excess private property more than you need to live on, how do you fulfill the universal destination of goods? Two ways in particular. One is by giving away to charity, but the other is by investing. And several popes have reinforced this. When you invest money, it gives other people opportunities to work, to make a living, to, make, to gather their own property, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and have flourishing lives. 
And so that's how we forward the universal destination of goods. Um, so that property is, is kind of an essential component of all of this. Uh, when you take that away from people, they lose their ability to decide what to do with their lives, right? They're stuck to f whatever. So, so to come back to, th that was sort of a preface to answer yeah. your question. Well, no, <laughs> so, it, it's this idea that, and, and I think it's really important, and I want to just reframe it by saying, you know, we've got this, this conflict between socialism and communism on the one hand, which yes. all goods are owned, owned by the state. Yes. And then you have this idea of private property, so goods are now owned by the individual. How, how does the church, so the church believes that there is this idea of a right to private property, but why, you know, and my a question to you, I was saying, for a lot of people, well, if the state just redistributes this wealth, it's going to help the poor, and that, that'll be better for the poor, and isn't that what the church really cares about? And so how do we navigate between these two goods? And so I, I get why you're talking about charity, you know, the individual. Would it be well to frame it this way, Andrew? You know, when, when people have goods for the family, they will use those goods for their children, for their family, in a way that they can understand what the specific needs are versus the state owning all the goods and then trying to distribute it without knowing the, the needs of the individual person or the family. And then the, the under, uh, undermining in that is the family. That's, that's kind of the, the middle yeah, yes. factor so, so, here. Uh, th thank you, Tim, for the, the, the part that I yeah. um, was trying to come back to was the redistribution idea. Yep. So the state does not currently own all the property. So in order to redistribute, would have to take it from others, from some, and give it to others, right? That does not honor private property by violating it in the one case, right, to, pro to try to promote it in the other. And, and what matters most of all in the long term, even in the short term, is not the amount of property that you have, but the ability, the skill to conserve and grow the, any property that you have. So the habits, virtue of thrift, for example, right? Um, not spending more than you earn and then knowing, learning how to invest the money that you have, whether it's invested in the stock market or invested in tools or a business or rental homes, you know, mm -hmm. things that you can, you can work on with that investment. If, if you were to redistribute wealth and give wealth to people who don't know how to invest it or how to work it, um, it's not likely to last very long, you know? And so, so what's more important yeah. if you want to be doing any redistributing is making sure we're distributing um, the, these skills and these virtues, right? Uh, virtues that make for, for successful life and a prosperous life. Andrew, that, that point of just, you know, that redistribution that you just mentioned and that people could just be given or assigned or people in socialism or communism are assigned wealth who haven't been, haven't exercised any practice of it prudentially goes to a question we have from Sandra, who says, what's the simplest way to explain why socialism is not good for people? So what, what, how would you, what's the simplest explanation um, why socialism is not good for people? The, the simplest explanation, I think, came from Margaret Thatcher, who famously said, the problem with socialism is eventually, or soon enough, you run out of other people's money. Mm. Is that socialism pretends to satisfy all of human needs. But there's never enough wealth in the world to satisfy all of human needs. So choices need to be made. You know? So that's why when you have socialistic healthcare, you have to make choices about who gets what healthcare. You know? um, 
if you any other kind of socialism, you get to have decide who gets which house, you know, or who gets whatever. And, and the incentives to work hard for a nicer house disappear, right? Or, or to, to work hard for a, a, a better car or, or mm. you know, better living, they disappear because it doesn't ma it doesn't make any difference anymore. You just expect everything from the government. So what you're saying is that you know socialism and, and communism, for that matter, they're good at consuming goods, but less good at producing goods and wealth. And so you, you, yeah. we see this with Venezuela when it went with socialism. You know, uh, when it was more free market, it was prosperous. It, it, I remember my dad when he was visiting the Peace Corps in Venezuela back in 1961, 62, Venezuela was the wealthiest country in Central and South America. And now today, after it's done its socialistic experiment, it's the, one of the poorest. And, uh, and so, uh, so it just, it, socialism just continually, it promises, and this is what Pope Leo XIII talked about in, in one of his encyclicals, Rerum Navarum, socialism and communism promise the poor many great things, but end up giving nothing but misery to the poor uh, because it doesn't deliver on its promises. But let's move, I wanna move in our last you know, 10 minutes here to what would be your current critique of capitalism and how can Catholicism and, and Catholic social teaching realign capitalism? Because if capitalism goes unchecked and the abuses grow, people will throw out the baby with the bathwater, so to speak, right? We'll just overthrow, we'll just overturn capitalism and then we'll be in a worse place than the abuses of capitalism, right? Yes, in fact, the, the, the reason people are attracted to socialism is not, so, uh, I think anybody who spends more than five minutes thinking about socialism realizes that it doesn't work, but you pick it because you think, well, at least it's not as bad, at least its intentions are better than capitalism, right? Um, so so, so the, the, the excesses of, of capitalism uh, are when we treat other people as means to making money, right? We treat my, our customers as a means to make money, our employees as merely as a means to make money, right? Whereas instead of recognizing that customers, um, employees, suppliers, investors are all created in the image of God, right? They all have the, that human dignity that we ought to respect and honor. I think the way to save capitalism is to point to businesses that that live that way, you know, and I say many of them would be ones that would be closer to you than the, the very large corporations um, and and promote those sorts of businesses. Again, that's what we try to do in our in our business school um, and um, show that what people think of as as the evils of capitalism don't belong to the system. They belong to people and wh whose greed sort of are, are abusing that system, if you if you will. Um, I now think that, that's the yeah. One one of the questions uh, Steve asks is, you know, it seems like with capitalism, it it creates a boom and bust economic cycle, and uh, if so, how do we avoid that boom and bust cycle? Is that a bad that we have to avoid, and is is that inherent to capitalism? Um, it's a good question, a complex question. Um, if I want to be facetious, I would say, would you prefer a boom, alternating boom and bust, or just one long bust, which is what <laughs> socialism looks like, right? Right. Um, but but no, I think a deeper answer um, would be the the boom bust cycle. Number of economists say is driven by the Fed's use of monetary policy. Mm. They flood the market with lots of money, as we have now, thereby creating an excessive boom, which will then has to correct with a bust. Um, I, I'm not a 
expert mm -hmm. economist, um, and I'm not sure how one would correct that, but it seems like um, that that does happen, and sometimes it appears to happen for political reasons. So I don't think you can lay that at the door of capitalism. Mm -hmm. That's more of a monetary policy issue. Andrew, another question comes in and says, well, where, where do we find a defense or a promotion of capitalism in the Bible? And I think it's important to note what you said earlier, and that is, you know, the term capitalism wasn't coined until Marx. Uh, you know, Marx is the one who's going to popularize this idea of capitalism as a system. But, you know, where in the Bible do you find the significance of what we see behind that, maybe private property and maybe the idea of justice and, and social exchange of goods and services? What would you say to that person? It, it's all over the Bible, and, mm -hmm. and let me tell you why. Uh, one of the reasons I don't like the word capitalism is the ism implies mm. that it's an ideology. But the, the market economy is not an ideology. It is the natural order of things. So the Bible speaks about buying and selling, but Jesus speaks about buying and selling. Uh, we have a commandment about not stealing, right? It mm -hmm. would be a meaningless commandment if there were no private property, because mm -hmm. how would you steal if there were no private property, right? So, so if you look at particularly the whole Old Testament, the structure of, of the Jewish people, Tim, you know this probably better than, than, than most, um, was all ordered to kind of how we understand our property and, and the rules about property, about the Jubilee, right, when, when we would free our, our debtors and so on. Um, so so it's, it's all over. Um, it, it's when we recognize that it's not a system as such, it's just the normal way that almost all societies have lived throughout history. You know, we, we trade for things that we can't make, you know, and that, that's, just, that's the market economy. You know, the ism about it is where, it's, where things are taken to, to extreme. Um, socialism and other systems are things that are imposed on, on human societies, whereas the market economy is just the thing that, that happens naturally. Yeah, I think that, you know, and you see this in the church teaching, as you know, that uh, the natural law allows for private property ownership and things like that because it was natural. It wasn't an ideology. Nobody, no great philosopher or thinker had to come up with a system for this. And so you're, I, you used all the examples I would. I mean, in, in Scripture, you know, whether it's, it's in the Book of the Covenant that Moses authors at, at, the, at, at Sinai, where there's regulations about buying and selling. If, and if you kill someone's ox or, you know, uh, hurt one of their servants and employees, you have to pay compensation for that. And so there's, there's certainly, and I, and I love, the, I think, what you talk about with the commandment not stealing, uh, obviously is protecting the natural right for that. And, uh, and that's, that's going to be um, really important. And yet, the prophets give a social critique to those in Israel who take uh, an inordinate amount of wealth and use it just for themselves and then, you know, go against justice. That is, they don't pay wage just wages. So there is a critique of, of employers not paying a just wage. There is a critique of the hoarding of wealth over and against the common good. And, uh, and not being charitable. And so there is that, those critiques as well. And uh, how do you, at, at the Bush Business School, there's obviously, as we get into this, we realize we don't have enough time to even open up this conversation about capitalism in, in, a, in a good way. How do you see doing that for undergraduates? You know, you've got four years, if you, you're bringing uh, these, these young Catholics into a business school at the Bush School at, at Catholic U, you're trying to teach them Catholic social teaching and ethics and good business practices. Can you do that in one course or does it really take a four-year program? 
it's the four-year program. We deliberately don't, we don't have a course in Catholic social doctrine because it's woven throughout the whole curriculum mm. because we don't want students to graduate thinking, well, first of all, we split our curriculum. Half their time is spent doing a core liberal arts program. So they get a solid liberal arts education from their philosophy, their theology, history, and so on, literature, et cetera. Then the rest, the other half is their, is their business education, but we don't want them thinking, well, this is business and this is the Catholic social doctrine icing that you sprinkle on it. It's like, no, no, it's how you think about it, mm. how you do it, that, that has to come from a sort of a Catholic perspective, a Christian perspective. And that's what we try to form them in the ideas that I'm here, I'm studying business, I'm going into business in order to serve others. And I learned that um, not, not just from the theory that I study, the cases that I do, but also from the lives of my faculty. So we, we about half of our faculty are former business leaders who, who kind of mm. witness by their own lives about this is the way to be a Christian in business. And I think that's really important for the students because some of them come in thinking that because they've been watching these Hollywood movies, that business is so polluted that there's no way to be a faithful Christian. And so they're a little yeah. skeptical, you know, but we I, say, no, here are people who've done this. We bring in speakers to talk about their own lives, their faith journey through business. We think that's really important. Well, I, I just want to commend you because there's few places like the Bush Business School and, and the, where people can learn great business practices and Catholic social teaching. And it really, what you're doing, Andrew, I think is so important. We've just touched on it briefly here. And that is that the Catholic teaching and the Catholic Church has a lot of insights to inform how we should live economically, how we should be running it for CEOs, business people, for people who are professionals in the business world, how they are to be living their professional life. It can be informed by Catholic values, and so it doesn't have to be the simplistic thing we get in the culture. Socialism bad, capitalism good. There's a nuance of why capitalism can be abused and how it can be good and bring about human flourishing. So I want to thank you for being on. I want to encourage anybody who's interested in a, in a business degree to check out the, the Bush Business School. It's a fantastic school. I've been able to visit your wonderful facility of a chapel in your business school. And I think that really, to me, signifies how you put Christ in the teaching of the church at the center of your enterprise there, which I think is just terrific. And so I highly recommend the Bush Business School for anybody who's thinking about that, or if you know anybody who's not yet made their decision where they want to study business, they should apply immediately to the Bush Business School. And I want to thank you, Andrew, for being on. Uh, it's been a delight to have you. My pleasure, Tim. Thank you. Well, you're doing great work. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. I hope that this is you know, what did your appetite to learn more? And just to see how our Catholic faith touches all aspects of life, even when it comes to business and economics and capitalism. And we'll have to pick up more on this topic in the future, Andrew, because we've just uh, scratched the surface. So thank you so much for being with us. And thank all of you, and may the Lord bless and keep you. You can watch this show in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustine Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, ebooks, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustine Institute, please visit missioncircle.org. You can watch this show in video format by visiting form.org. 
formed as an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustan Institute and Ignatius Press, with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, ebooks, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustan Institute, please visit missioncircle.org.